It's great to have Rob with us this morning. I was trying to just figure out how to introduce you, but I've got no idea because Rob is like the godfather of Bristol, (laughs) or at least the church in Bristol, and I I mean that only in good ways. (laughs) Um, Rob? Thank you, Esther. Thank you. And it's a delight to be with you. It's always like being with family, being here at... uh, at Ebby, and uh, Pam sends her love as well. It was great to see lots of you around at the noise up on the common yesterday, and quite a few of you asked me how is Pam, and my answer I think is usually she's really well. That means she's as naughty as ever, you know. So it's, uh, but she sends her love to you today as well, and we we pray for you every day as a church. So you're never very far from our thoughts. We're only usually able to come and speak maybe about once a year on a Sunday morning, but every day we think of you and pray for you, and it's been a joy over many years now to provide that kind of covering care in prayer, and we pray by name for the leadership team each one of them and to provide a context of support and accountability for them too which we trust is an encouragement and so we it's a joy to be with you and um, you leave me with an open theme which means it's a chance each year just to bring what I sense God prophetically saying into the life of the church at this stage so I feel quite a stirring about that I feel there's some very real things that God is saying at this time and uh, last time I was with you I think last year I was sharing a little bit about that whole challenge of being a city of hope and what it means to be building that city of hope and shared something of that vision then it's been great to see how that's been unfolding over the past year so the word I want to bring this morning should come up on the screen and it is supernatural breakthrough I feel God saying this year of 2019 is to be a year of supernatural breakthrough. There are many situations in our lives sometimes that we, we try somehow to get over, to get around, and we just don't seem to be able to break through. And then God brings that breakthrough. Sometimes there have been long resistance situations. We've often prayed about and not really seen breakthrough. But what does it mean when it's that supernatural breakthrough? It's not because I made a bif- bigger effort or I did something differently, but just that God has broken through. I want to share a little bit on that this morning and uh, even just to be able to say that um, under that thought of building Bristol City of Hope, we want to say thank you to you at Ebby because uh, the noise, you're not just a part of it, Stuart and the team and yourselves, you really are key to the noise and thank you for so much in the way in which you've served the wider vision of the city through the noise in seeing God's love in action in practical ways. And uh, so you may have seen that little banner going up all around the city. There'll be lots more of them over this next year of building Bristol City of Hope. So that's the kind of vision we've shared as unity right the way across all the denominations. In fact, we had a letter signed by all the denomination leaders, the Bishop of Bristol, the Bishop of Clifton, all the others. As churches, what does it mean to be building Bristol together as a city of hope? So look out for that banner as part of that kind of common vision that we're sharing across the city. And I wonder, even this year, since I was last with you, lots of things I think I shared with you last year about how many years ago we had that vision of Bristol being a city of refuge in the light of those scriptures, and it eventually took years, but eventually there's a plaque in City Hall that says, Bristol, city of sanctuary, city of refuge. And that particularly we've just been negotiating still with the city council about putting another plaque up, which will be Bristol, city of hope. And this past year has been wonderful to sense some of that supernatural breakthrough in different ways, even just recently, so... Um, I don't know where to begin on this story, but just let me tell you a shorter version. So um, you may may know that uh, for Filton Airfield, in fact, was bought by a Malaysian family to be able to look for housing and uh, for commerce and lots of other things. But in fact, it's a Christian family uh, and they work under a title called YTL. And so I met with YTL and Mr. Hong, who's the leader of that family, together with his wife and older son, etc., last year. And uh, we met down at the city centre and we were talking a little bit about the vision of what it means for Bristol to be a city of hope. And that really stirred them. They were really excited about that. And we talked about well, how they might share in that. And uh, um, 
we were talking about some of the challenges the city faced with regard to the cutbacks and uh, one of the big challenges had been the city arena, the, the question of its viability and also its affordability and so that had been a real challenge for the city and as we talked a bit about it, it was amazing to hear Mr Hong himself say, actually we've built a few arenas around the world and in fact I'm sure we could build an arena few here in Bristol. I said, really? And uh, anyway, also turned out that part of that felt Filton Airfield, most of which is in South Gloucester, there's a railway line that goes across it and a section of it is in Bristol. And in that Bristol section is a big building called the Brabazon Hangar. And in fact, was once the largest airplane in the world and that huge open space which housed it. And he said, you know, I think we could fit an arena in there. And uh, so anyway, out of that came an amazing um, whole range of situations that eventually became quite controversial. We have seen it on the Evening Post when the council met there was a lot of argument about whether it should be the city centre there but eventually it got the clearance to be able to be at Filton and so uh, one of the challenges that have been uh, how can you get 10,000 people through those roads around there and get them on there wouldn't it be a cause of congestion a real problem for all that so just uh, two months ago in fact uh, YTL talking to get about possibilities and they thought well, why don't we why don't we put on an event on the airfield and see if we can get 10,000 people on and off of there. So, in fact, they did an arena, a pop-up arena. It took them two weeks to do it. It cost a million pound. But, in fact, like Glastonbury, there was this huge Glastonbury tent, as it were, that would take 10,000 people. They asked if I'd like to go along to reception that, and I said, well, what's going to happen? They said, we've got this little music group, local one. I said, what's their name? Called Massive Attack. I said, who's they? Anyway, so... Eventually, I went along with my earplugs, and, uh, and sure enough, 10,000 people over two days, completely sold out. It covered the million pounds for the, the etc. happened. And it was a really amazing exercise to just see how it worked like clockwork, being able to get 10,000 people in. In fact, stood next to me among these 10,000 people in that huge arena was Alex and Julie Kito. In fact, I don't think they had earplugs in, but they were <laughs> beside me doing it. But then... Um, you may have seen last week that, in fact, it's now just been agreed. They've just appointed the uh, architects to be able to convert that hangar into the arena. What I'm really stirred about is that I believe that that arena over these coming years, as part of that vision of building Bristol City Folk, will see tens of thousands of people hear about Jesus. And a sense that it's going to be a real place where I feel that God's going to use as a significant. It'll be the third. I mean, the original arena in the Bristol in Bristol Centre was going to be eight thousand people. This now will be seventeen thousand. It'll be the third biggest arena in the country. Now, I think of that as supernatural breakthrough. You know, where there were seemingly impossible situations and there were lots of hindrances around, but somehow God brings that breakthrough. One of the things I feel for this year is that this is going to be a year of supernatural breakthrough. Not just for the tens of thousands, but even here for Ebby, and maybe in personal lives. This year, I've been praying that it'll be a year of supernatural breakthrough, where sometimes there's been real challenging situations you can't see a way through. And we might do all sorts of things, try and organize and find a way out, but then suddenly God brings that supernatural breakthrough. You know, in 1 Chronicles, when David became king, as soon as it was announced he was king, and uh, uh, the Philistines all gathered in en masse, as it were, and surrounded uh, David, and uh, they were about to attack them, and uh, David wasn't sure what to do, and he, he prays, he says, oh God, shall I go out against them? And God says, go. And he goes out, and God gives an amazing victory. And that day, he names the place where they had the victory as the God of the breakthrough, the God of the breakthrough. Now, I want this year in my life 
and often in ministry, to see increasing that sense where you know it wasn't because we did something special, but God broke through, that God of the breakthrough. And I have seen this year, we're coming up for nearly halfway through the year now, I have seen some amazing breakthroughs, supernatural breakthroughs in so many different areas of life. You know, in, in healing and in deliverance, I've seen some remarkable experience of God working far beyond any human effort, as it were. Even in God's provision, you know, the other day we had a situation we've been praying for, for God's provision. Someone said they would like to help with it and they were going to pop into our home and it was a gift. And, uh, and I'd imagine this gift, which would be really a generous gift. And I can remember praying, Lord, this is a year or so, Lord, make it 10 times that, 10 times that. When they arrived, I, I, I said, shall I open it now? And I said, yeah, you can open it now. I open it. It wasn't 10 times. It was 100 times it, you know, far beyond anything I could ask and imagine. And you think, ooh. That's supernatural. And in, in salvation, I look every week to see someone become a Christian. This last seven weeks, I've seen 27 people become Christians. It's just that supernatural feel to it where it's over and above all you can imagine. I think our Emma was telling about one of those, so, um, Navin there, who helped Emma yesterday at the Cotswold trip with the Bisque. So I met Navin at Bisque on a Monday evening, and I was particularly interested because he was from India, uh, and I used to go to India each year and uh, had a particular heart and been involved over the years with some of the most needy situation in India, which is the, the Dalit people, that's the untouchables, some of the poorest people on the face of the earth, outcasts. And here was a fella, first to his community of thousands of people who'd ever been to university. First time he'd ever been outside of his state. In fact, when he came to, I arrived in Bristol, I'll tell you all the story, when he arrived in Bristol, he, he had no money. And, and in fact, he, he didn't eat anything for 16 days. He only drank water. He was afraid of what the natural food. In fact, he became so ill that when, in fact, he was sick because someone gave him a sandwich and they rushed him into hospital here in Bristol. They had to actually help him to be able to get through it. And then Bisk rescued him. Bisk is always known for its food. And so, so Bisk rescued him. And I met him on a Monday evening. And we got talking together. And here he was. I was so interested to hear from India, from the Dalit people. First time he'd ever been outside of his state. And so I invited him for supper on the Wednesday. I said, why don't you come to us for supper? There'd be quite a few other people there. In fact, it's a special supper. We call it an alpha supper, in fact. And uh, so he came to the alpha course for supper. And uh, uh, I was due to take that middle one on the alpha on what is faith and what does that mean. He was a person for the first time in his life ever hearing the gospel from a Hindu background in India. And yet with such rapt interest. And even as I was sharing that evening, there were a lot of people there, a lot of people who were all sort of on the edge looking and seeking, and I felt a real sense of God's spirit at work. And so towards the end, I gave an opportunity. I just shared again what it means for Jesus to have died on the cross for us and what it means to experience forgiveness through faith in him. And I gave an opportunity for folk to respond, and he was one of the first to respond. We usually break to then have coffee. And so when the break happened, I, I stood down to his just by the frontier and said to him, oh, let me just have a quick word with the coffee. Because I knew it was all completely new to him. I said, let me just spell out to you, Navin, step by step what it really means for that step. I said, it's like, a, it's not simplistic, but it, yet it's profoundly simple. There's a kind of almost the ABC of becoming a Christian. A is to admit my need. B is to believe that Jesus died on the cross for me. C is to, to commit my life to him and to receive him into my life. I said, but even that A is a big step. I said, we live in a world where we, and our mistakes, our failures, we always excuse them, explain them away, we blame them on our environment, on our upbringing, but becoming a Christian is about simply admitting to God, I'm sorry for all the things I've done wrong. And his eyes look wide open as if it was like revelation to him, you know, kind of that sense. And then B is just to believe that Jesus, the Son of God, loved me and gave himself for me. C is to commit 
our life to him. And I said, let me just pray with you again, Navin. But this time as I pray, I want you to pray aloud with me. And so we prayed together. And as he prayed, you could tell this was a real to him. And he opened his eyes and I said to him, Navin, welcome into the family of God. And he said these amazing words. He said, you know, I've never felt so loved in all my life. There's something about that God so loved the world when we feel that. And so this year has been an amazing year so far in terms of supernatural breakthrough. But I want just to unfold a little further. So next to these scriptures is taken from Exodus, and it's about lasting supernatural breakthrough. This is the story of where God was sending Moses, you remember, to bring his people out of Egypt. And he says, you can't send me. I, 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 I can't speak very well, you know. And God said, I made your mouth. I'll enable you to speak. And he's so hesitant to go. And God says, what's that in your hand? Is a staff. You throw it down. It becomes a snake. And so God used supernatural signs. From the very first, first he's throwing down his, his staff to become a snake, then changing the water into blood of the Nile. And every time God did a supernatural act, Pharaoh is going to let them go. Okay, you can go. But next day he changed his mind. And sometimes in life, you know, we can experience God graciously breaking into situations. But then it seems if by the next day or the next week, it's all gone back again. And those ups and downs, those roller coasters. For some here today, I felt particularly you've gone through some roller coaster experiences. And so it goes on the story and further miracles and supernatural, but still they're not free. And eventually it comes the Exodus itself, where the Passover lamb is sacrificed, pointing to Jesus ultimately as the ultimate sacrifice, the lamb of God. And they're set free. They come out of Egypt. And as they come, you feel as if this is it now. They've finally been free and they're on their way. And then they come and they come to that, the shores of the Red Sea, as it were. And uh, suddenly over the horizon... The Egypt, the Egyptians appear again, and they're terrified. Why, why did you just leave us in Egypt? It'd be better to have died there than die here in the desert. And sometimes it'd be like that. You know, we go through really pressure times in our life as Christians. We're struggling, etc. And, and we almost feel sometimes it'd be better for me not to become a Christian because you know all these. Really. And then Moses speaks these words. Moses answered the people, "Do not be afraid. Stand firm." And you will see the deliverance of the Lord will bring you today. Listen to these words. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. That's lasting supernatural breakthrough. Sometimes in our lives, you know, I think we we go through experiences where we, we get relief from problems, but not release. Even sometimes in prayer ministry or counseling, we may come and pray and we feel, we, we, we feel relieved of the pressure of the problem. But six months later, we're asking for the same thing we prayed for, the same situation. Think, Ooh, what's happening there? Is it just that we're, we're getting momentary release but not real relief? I often use that picture of gold being refined in a fire, you know. You take a piece of crude gold ore, as it were, and uh, you think, wow, I've, you know, if you're panning for gold, I found it, yippee. And then... You give it to a refiner, he takes it and he sticks it under a bunch. He says, that's my gold. He says, don't worry, no, you, you ruin it. No, 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 I'll refine it. And he melts it. And what happens is you melt that gold or it gets to a certain temperature and the impurities begin to melt with it. And the impurities come to the surface. It's like that in life so often. It's when the heat is on. When the pressure is on in our lives, that's when the impurities come to the surface. That's when you lose your temper. That's when you say the things you shouldn't have said. That's when you do the things you shouldn't have done. You're tired and you're, you're under pressure. 
Now, what often happens, even well-meaningly, even a church community, we want to support each other and help each other. What we can sometimes say, look, look, you, you, you just need just need to cool down, just take a bit of space, just calm down, and, and eventually you cool down. And sure enough, you cool down, and the pressure comes off. But if you cool down that molten metal, in fact, those impurities are still there. Given the same temperature six months later, and exactly the same impurities come to the surface. Now, the only way you can really find that refining is if at that point of pressure, when the heat is on, and when the impurities come to us, you allow God. We used to sing that song sometimes, Refiner's Fire. You allow God's gracious, refining hand to deal with those impurities. That whole experience of repentance and faith where God deals with it. And once you scrape those impurities from the surface, no matter how many times you heat that metal to that temperature, those impurities will never appear again. That doesn't mean it's all over. Life is an ongoing journey, and the higher the temperature, more impurities may come out, but there's a process that's going on. That's why we call it carrot gold, you know, what, what level of how, how much impurifies it gone. And it's this process in our life. What does it mean to know that supernatural breakthrough? Where it's not just momentary relief, but that inner sense of release. God's changing us from one degree of glory to another into the likeness of Jesus. That supernatural breakthrough. He says these amazing words, do not be afraid. Fear will always rob us of faith. And therefore fear robs us of the supernatural. In fact, it's often the very thing about the supernatural. Those times in Jesus' life, the words he said so often were, fear not. Even when the angels are there announcing from heaven at the birth of Jesus, and the first words they say is, fear not. Or, or, or Jesus appears walking on the water, that supernatural experience, and, and they're terrified. It's a ghost. And Jesus says, fear not. We're always afraid of the supernatural. Outside of our familiar pattern of life, we're, we're out of control sometimes. This is letting go and letting God have his way. And, and fear will rob us of supernatural breakthrough. Because somehow we, we want to make it happen. We want to do a bit more and try and sort it out. But sometimes we can't. We can't find a way around it. We can't find a way over it. It's only God that can break through it. He says, don't be afraid. Stand firm or stand still. Sometimes it's us flapping around, trying to make it happen, that we get even further into a mess. I, I think of one lady, again, as part of that, answer to that supernatural breakthrough who was struggling with panic attacks and had done so for years uh, she hardly ever had a, a good night's sleep she had lots of different techniques you can blow into a, a brown paper bag and do other things but they only ever brought momentary relief and she came for prayer i can still remember and as she came for prayer uh, i'd had a, a scripture almost like a prophetic word stir on my heart those words from isaiah 49 where it says say to those in darkness be free be free I remember saying to her, look, I'd love to pray with you, but I don't just want to pray for you. I want to pray over you. And I'm going to take this scripture, and I'd love to be able to pray it prophetically into your life. Are you happy for me to do that? She said, anything that would bring me relief. I said, it's not just relief, it's release. There's a spiritual authority where it says, you say to those in darkness, be free. It's not just praying, Lord, would you help this person to feel a little bit free? It's, it's say to those in darkness, be free. And as I put my hand on her and prayed over her, and I took some oil and just anointed her, and I literally spoke those words, be free in Jesus' name. And something happened inside of her 
For years, he'd, and to this day, he's had no other panic attack. What is it that sometimes where we, we just don't be afraid, just be open to God, be still, don't try and flap and make it happen, just allow God to have his way to bring that breakthrough. It is about that lasting breakthrough. The next of these scriptures goes on to some Psalm 40, those amazing words, persistence and supernatural breakthrough. I wish breakthrough always happened instantly. And some of the stories I've even told already today may sound as if, you know, you pray and all happens. But it's not always quite like that. But it's still a matter of holding on to that promise and waiting patiently even as we cry out to God. It says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. I'm sure I've told some of you the story. I'm going to be careful with Emma here, my daughter, here this morning because this is a story many years ago when they were children. Um, this is not about Emma, though. This is about our son, Greg. And uh, so it was a Christmas and... Um, uh, you know, you put little things in their stockings for Christmas. And uh, he, he just, he's only a little lad, but he just had his first experience. We haven't got much of a garden at the front. But anyway, he, he had his first experience of doing some gardening with Dad. And so he bought him a little packet of seeds. And this packet of seeds was this beautiful flowers on the front picture of it. And, and this is Christmas Day. I'm sure if I read the instructions at the back, you weren't you were meant to wait till later in the year before you plant it. But he couldn't wait. So Christmas Day, he's out. And he does them one finger at a time. He presses his finger in, makes all, puts one seed in it. There's a whole long line of them. At the end of it, he puts a lollipop and puts a packet on the end of it with this lovely picture of what they're going to grow up like. And he's so excited about it when he goes to bed that night. That's all he does is pray about these seeds they're growing in that. Boxing Day morning, we were surprised when we woke up that the front door was open and Greg was already up. A few minutes later, he comes in, tears all on his face and, and, and dirt and soil all on his face. Dad, it didn't work, he said. They're no good, he said. None of them have grown. Now, I don't think we've taken time to explain to him that there are seasons and times. These things take time. And you're going to go through a whole winter where there may be snow on the, on the frost and everything else. But, but those seeds don't work. And in our lives, sometimes we can be so impatient. What is it to wait patiently for the Lord? And yet, with expectancy, that God will bring that breakthrough. I've known to have a family diagnosed as being unable to have children. But this year, supernatural breakthrough. In fact, she's about to give birth. Another one already just given birth. Supernatural. Just that sense of, ooh. And yet it didn't happen instantly. It was that, that patient waiting. But somehow when God gave that word of promise, he really felt this was God's promise for this year. I think of another where prayed for years for a husband. This year was the year of supernatural breakthrough. There may be situations in your life that have been long resistant Things you've almost given up on. And yet nothing is too hard for the Lord. What does it mean? He says, he, I waited patiently, Lord. He heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. I don't know if you saw that warning on Points West earlier in the year. A number of people, the rescue service, had, had to be able to lift them out of mud down on the estuary where uh, someone thought they could go in it. And they got in and tried to, and the more they flapped around, the deeper they got in the mud. And so they actually, actually, a helicopter lifted them, <laughs> lifted them out of this mud there. And just that picture of you lifting out of that, that miry clay, that slimy clay. But, but it's not then just a question of lifting and shaking them off and drying them off and putting them back down again in the same place. It's... He set my feet on a rock. And what does it mean to see that kind of breakthrough, almost like new beginning, a new start? And yet it's something supernatural. 
I say, I've seen some amazing healings this year. Just a, um, a few weeks back at Metro, and some of you may have already heard that story because it was so remarkable. This is somebody that, uh, his name is Jamie. He came to know the Lord um, not that long ago. He's got cerebral palsy, so in a wheelchair. We've only ever known him in a wheelchair, been in a wheelchair for years. In fact, his cerebral palsy was so bad that just over a year ago they had to amputate his arm because of the pain, etc. And in a desperate state, and yet somehow he lost consciousness last year and was in a coma and they weren't sure he would come out of it. And uh, just again, some folk met to pray and it was one stage they were praying, they actually prayed out aloud, Jamie, wake up. And he woke up. The thing, he'd lost his memory. He couldn't even recognize his mother and father or anybody else. The only name he could remember, he said to the surgeon was, I just remember the name of this person called Jesus, he said. I don't know all about him, but I know that he loves me and that I love him. It's the only thing he could remember, the only person he could remember. But something stirred in Jamie that day that really meant he wanted to just express again his faith. So he asked if he could be baptized. Now, it's quite an exercise. He'd now become so unwell that, in fact, they'd given him like a guide dog. That was guide dog would be with him all the time to be able to be company with him, etc. Because he was in this wheelchair and can he go around the wheelchair? So getting him in out of the baptistry would be quite an exercise. So this is just some weeks ago now, and so he came to the baptism and they managed eventually to lift Jamie into this baptistry, out of the wheelchair into the baptistry. And as they baptized him and prayed for the Holy Spirit to come upon him, Jamie said he suddenly felt a strength in his legs. Instead of lifting out, he stepped out of the baptistry, began to walk and leap and praise God. And he's done so ever since. They took a brain scan of him. The very air of his brain that previously had all been a dark patch suddenly shrunk right down and cleared. And they said, this is a miracle. It's supernatural when God breaks through. I wish... In every situation, we could see that. Sometimes I'm still waiting patiently for God, but there are some situations I'm really holding on to God in to see supernatural breakthrough. There is no greater supernatural breakthrough, of course, than we've just witnessed over this Easter time with the wonder of resurrection itself. The last of these scriptures I must hasten just to go on to. It's supernatural breakthrough and follow through. Now, this is the story of Lazarus. And as I say, Easter has just happened with all the wonder of resurrection of Jesus. He's not here, he's risen. And there can be no more amazing supernatural breakthrough than seeing the dead raised. And uh, I've known times where folk have said to me, Rob, do you really believe that nothing, nothing is too hard for the Lord? I really do believe that. I believe that nothing Nothing is impossible, nothing to our Lord. So they said, Rob, have you ever taken a funeral? I said, I've taken many, many, many funerals. So, Rob, would you pray for the person you're, you're burying? They might rise from the dead if that's possible. And I remember looking think, well, if I felt God prompt me to do that, I trust I would. And I've had some remarkable experiences around grave funerals, etc. But the other day I had an amazing experience. This is last year now. But it just a few weeks ago reminded me of it because the person concerned met. So a brother from Togo in Africa was visiting Bristol. 
It's a Friday afternoon. He was going to be speaking at a conference we were having over the weekend, a kind of global partnership conference. And uh, when he arrived, he normally, his name is Kojo. He's full of the joy of the Lord. He's got an amazing ministry in West Africa and has seen many amazing miracles there. And uh, when he arrived, somebody picked him up from Temple Meads Airport, uh, Temple Meads Station, and brought him to our home. It was a Friday afternoon. And normally when he comes in, the room lights up. But he was obviously really distressed and sad and downcast about that. I said, Kojo, what, what's happened? And he explained that, in fact, his best friend, since he was a young boy, all his life they'd shared together in ministry, and he was dying. In such a pauper, was on the way to the airport. So as he'd come to the airport, he'd stopped at the hospital, and he was in such a poor condition, he didn't have long to live. So he knew that he would never see him again alive. In Africa, when somebody dies, they bury them the same day. So here, his best friend, who he would have taken his food and everything else, he's not going to be there for it. He felt so, so heartache for him. And we talked together and tried to be of some comfort and prayed with him. He was sat on the sofa there. I was sat on an armchair here and the friend who brought him to the station over here. And um, as we were talking, suddenly his telephone went and uh, he picked up the telephone. There was obviously a lot of distress on the other end. I could hear some screaming and tears as he was crying. And he said, oh, dear, oh, dear. Sure enough, his friend had died. In fact, he'd already died some hours before, just after he'd left the hospital. But they hadn't been able to contact him because he was on his flight and they'd been trying. So they were just phoning him now. In fact, they said they were just just taking him to the morgue. He died. And again, we prayed with him and just sought to be of some comfort to him. And um, suddenly, as we sat there talking, I feel that kind of wow factor, which I've known in my life at different times. And that wow fact of me means God's really stirring. So you feel, ooh. So I stood up from my armchair and I went across. I, I said, Kojo, I, I'm going to pray now for your friend. He said, it's too late, Rob. He's died. I said, I know, but I just feel this stirring at this moment. I've always felt, you know, God, if it was ever, I, I would always respond to that, whatever it was, even impossible. So I put my hand on his shoulder and as I prayed, I felt like an electric current flowing through me with power, as it were. And I'm praying now for his friend just died and as I said amen I just felt in heaven something had released and I stepped back and stepped back to my chair here and before before I sat in my chair his telephone went again and this time it's even more excitement it's not just screaming and shouting it's, and his face lights up and he says wow wow he says wow he looks across to me with tears flowing down his face he says Rob they just got to the steps of the morgue and as he got to the steps of the morgue, he sat up and he's alive, he said. He said, I've never ever in my life, and he's seen some miracles, I've never ever. I looked at him with such a sense of amazement. We were both with tears, joy, and says, that nothing, nothing is too hard for the Lord, nothing. Oh, I wish that would happen every time. And yet, the promise of scripture is that we'll have a taste of that age to come. I wish it was the full thing. You know, Jesus tells that parable of uh, how the, you sow this field to grow your, your, your wheat in it and the, the, the enemy comes overnight and sows the weeds and you get up in the morning and they say, well, shall we pull it all up now? And Jesus says, no, don't do it now. If we do, you pull up the good weed. You've got to wait till the end of the age. Uh, if God were now to break in, no more pain, no more sorrow, no more, t- it would be the end of the age. But he gives a taste of that age to come. And you just want more of that, more of those sense of those supernatural breakthrough. And yet what's amazing here with this story of Lazarus, it says that when he had said this, this is coming to the tomb of Lazarus. He's already been dead for three days. He's buried. And um, I I remember once visiting 
Pam and I spent some months in the Middle East, and I remember visiting um, uh, Bethany and the little hillside where you can still see the tomb of Lazarus today. It's a cave there where, where they buried Lazarus. And on the side of the tomb, I remember standing in the front of it rather naughty, and I shouted inside, Lazarus, come out! No, nothing happened because it's been empty for some time. You know, it was just that sense of it echoed around. You know, and... But that day when Jesus cried those words, Lazarus, come out, literally the dead man came out. But I want to just say finally a little bit about how we steward the supernatural. I think often we see, we do not see all that we could of the supernatural because of the way of, we're not able to handle it. We, you know, even with Jesus, there were times where he, he, he feeds 5,000 lavishly with plenty left over. Do you know what happens the next day? They're back for more bread. You know, this is an easy way of getting it. And so, you know, they're all wanting free bread, as it were. And Jesus says, oh, it's just because you saw the feeling of the fire. Don't you understand? This was a sign. There are times when Jesus did mighty miracles. And even when he speaks about, you know, a whole house being cleared, like a, a, a life being delivered of demons. And, but it's just left empty before long. It's occupied with more demonic power than before because it was never really handled. And so here what happens with this is that Lazarus comes out. But the dead man came out, his hands and his feet were wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let, them go, let him go. Now, I used to think as a young Christian when I first read that story, I think, wow. If Jesus could say to the dead, Lazarus, come out, couldn't he have just say, grave clothes, fall off? I mean, that would be a minor thing, wouldn't it? Or when he got to the grave and there was a great big stone, couldn't he have just say, stone, Rolled away. Could be a name of a rock group in days to come, couldn't it? But, you know, a stone rolled away and, uh, and the stone just rolls away. Instead of that, he says to the disciples, you remove the stone. They say, but Lord, he's been dead for three days. It'll stink. No, you do it. Now, these were things they could do. These were things they had the capacity to do. See, sometimes what happens when we begin to see the supernatural, I've seen so amazing, but sometimes what happens with our human nature, we get like, I don't need to clean my teeth anymore. Now I just say in the morning, teeth be clean. You know, and, uh, and we can easily develop a kind of laziness, a, a sense of which, but there are spiritual disciplines that are part of our own growth and life that are essential to spiritual growth. And we need those disciplines of life. We need to be able to use those gifts and skills, abilities, in order that when there are those situations that are beyond our human abilities, to see God then supernaturally break through. God longs to do it here this morning. My prayer is not just to talk about it. I'd love to feel here this morning we could see some supernatural breakthrough good chance in a moment for prayer i think i brought my little cruise of awe to be able to yes to be able to pray i'd love to be able to pray and sense supernatural breakthrough it's not just because you think oh that would be a great thing to do no 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 you need to sense if that's what god is stirring faith in you for if there's that wow factor you feel oh this is the moment i long just to be able to come alongside the situation and sense that supernatural breakthrough to see god even again, like with that house that was empty, God longed to fill with his spirit. To sense in our lives how God is at work among us. To know more and more of the Holy Spirit at work in us and through us. The supernatural is just the cream on the cake, as it were. It's not meant to be the daily rhythm of life where we no longer need to exercise any of our natural abilities because now we do. No, 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 no. It's a sign of the age to come. But we want more of that. It stirs faith in us. So here this morning, I'm going to pray and give an opportunity for prayer as well. If there's any of you here this morning that you really do want to sense some area of your life or someone dear to you, you just long to see, but you believe in God for that. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You sense God speaking in your life. 
Just like with that woman where I felt God say, say to those in darkness, be free. And that was God's word in that moment. Father, come now by your spirit. Lord, I pray for Ebby. I'm asking you now, Lord, that this year of 2019 for this church will be a year of supernatural breakthrough. Even where there have been long resistant situations or other things have accumulated, Lord, and it's difficult to find a way through, a way out, Lord. Come by your spirit. Not just because we can do things differently or reorganize things, but because we're trusting you, Lord, for supernatural breakthrough. Lord, in our lives, in our families, in our health, in our well-being, your guidance, your direction, Lord. Lord, grant, I pray, that this year will be a year of supernatural breakthrough. Come now, Lord, by your spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Stir among us that sense of expectancy, Lord, that nothing, nothing is too hard for the Lord. Come now, Lord, I pray, and release your purpose among us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're going to just worship together. Hopefully, as a closing, is that viable? Yes. Um, as we're worshiping too, I just want to invite any of you, that if you just come and sit on this front row, and I'd love to be able to pray for you. I'm going to wait till the song is over. You can come while we're worshiping, or certainly as well afterwards, and would love to be able to pray with you, and maybe there's others in ministry team that can come and share in that as well. So let's just be open to what God may, even as we worship, just for God to speak. You know, as the church at Antioch was worshiping, God just spoke to them, just as a sense of God quickening that faith. So let's worship together.